Welcome to Drive Time Theology, a brand new podcast. And my name is Phil. My name is Adam. And this is a podcast where we talk. You drive. And hopefully we all learn. And just like that, episode one is underway. But before we get going too far along, by the way, this voice is Phil, Adam, why don't you give us a quick uh, rundown of why we started this podcast? So several years ago, six, maybe seven, you started helping me in youth ministry and much of our friendship uh, in ministry uh, many times revolved around having discussions, oftentimes arguments, sometimes raised voices arguments, never <laughs> angry arguments, but discussions passionate about, yeah, arguments. they were passionate about, well, I think this, and you think that, and let's have this discussion uh, really entertain that bled over into uh, our work relationship when you started mowing yards with me and for me. Uh, and we had some really good conversations in the truck about, well, I've been reading this or have you thought about that? And have you ever heard of this word? And what's going on in the scriptures when this is taking place? And again, some of those were still arguments, but a lot of them were just, I would consider it iron sharpening iron. And it, both of us had the idea or the conversation one day of, man, I don't know if Everybody has the opportunity to do this kind of thing, sitting side by side, having these conversations. We would sit in the truck sometime at, at a yard for five and 10 minutes trying to get the discussion all the way out and before we'd even start working sometimes. So um, we had the idea, man, what if, what if we had a podcast doing exactly what we're doing right now in the truck, having these, these questions, these, these, these discussions, conversations, and occasionally arguments? Um, could that translate into a podcast? And we're at least going to try that. Yeah, we're going to see. And I think that's kind of cool is like it's our it's our well, hopefully it'll be like our normal conversations, but we're also inviting other people in. So it is exactly what we said in the intro. We're going to talk hopefully while you're driving. You don't have to be driving. You can sure. be running. You can be sitting in your house chilling. But the idea is that we're all going to learn from it. So you'll probably hear us learn. We might even have some aha moments while we talk. And yeah. to kick that off, the very first subject we decided to tackle. Small one. Small one, yeah, is what is the Bible. So we've got three things that the Bible is. Those aren't the only three things that the Bible is, but there are three really important things that we believe the Bible is. Sure. And by understanding them, they help us get a better picture of the Bible uh, and, and a fuller understanding of what God was doing by giving us the Bible. Mm. Because it is, it is unique that God gave us a Bible to get to know him with. Mm. So the very first thing on the list that we have is the Bible is 100% human and 100% divine. And I think that's really important that we get both of those. Agreed. Yeah, it, it's so often that we we get that the Bible is 100% divine. And sometimes we can even have this idea like it kind of descended from heaven. Mm. And I know in my experience for a long time, I really didn't know, like, I, I knew the Bible was God's word, but I didn't really know what that meant when Paul says he was writing a letter. Mm. Or, you know, when an Old Testament prophet was talking, well, what, what's really going on here? Or even some of the, the, the less spiritual books, you might say, of, mm. of like the, the Kings or Samuel, where it's just retelling stories. Yeah. And, and I say less spiritual. I mean, there's not like, hey, God said this. It's like, let me tell you a story of what happened. Sure. How, do, how am I supposed to think about those things? And so I think we want to be really clear that Scripture does tell us that, that it's God-breathed. Mm. Right, that's Second Timothy three sixteen. You know, all Scripture was breathed out by God, and that word there, um, it, it 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 encompasses the word pneuma, which is frequently used for God's spirit. God's sure. breath and God's spirit are are almost the same picture of the same thing happening. Mm. And and we also know from Peter that that nobody came up 
with these ideas on their own, but they right. were moved by the spirit of God, yeah. the pneuma of God, if you will, to write what they wrote. Mm. But then 20-something times, we'll also get the idea that uh, the writer, like Luke will say in his introduction, hey, I was a part of this. Right. It made a lot of sense to me that I yeah. should write an orderly mm. account for you. Mm. And so there's that that idea of divine will and human will yeah. working together. And I think whether I, no one taught me this directly, but I had this image growing up of the author's, the writer's body almost being hijacked by the spirit. Like they, they're in a trance, their right arm is, their left arm is writing something out and they wake up and say, hey, that was a pretty impressive document that God presented or that God produced through my body. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think the more I've gotten to know the scriptures that that is an accurate account, and which, which I have actually come to appreciation of understanding inspiration as a whole life inspiration. Yeah. Not like a 10 minute inspiration or a two day inspiration, uh, but, but God had been working the lives of the biblical authors all along moving in and out of circumstances and even ordaining circumstances to the point that what they are experiencing and later would then write down, God has been working in and hadn't been thrown off path the entire time. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that idea of Paul is writing Romans to say, hey, I'm gonna, I got to go to Jerusalem first, but I'm going to come visit you. Mm. And I want to spend a lot of time with you on my way to Spain. Yeah. And we get his fullest detail of his theological thinking in that letter. And yeah. it's just fascinating that it came about on his end because, hey, I want to write to this church in Rome and let them know I'm going somewhere first, but I plan to come to you and hang out with you on my way to somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it, <clears throat> and I, I think that whole life inspiration uh, concept is so much more powerful than Agreed. God took over someone's <clears throat> brain and hand for. Yeah you know, two hours and this happened. Yeah. It's this, you know, it, that would be easy. Sure. Right. If I say that, but if <laughs> or you're not messy, yeah. Yeah. Not messy. If you're, if you are a God and you can do whatever you want to, it sure it'd be easy. Like zap Adam's yeah. going to say exactly what I want him to say right now. Sure. It's a whole other thing to say, you know what? I'm going to totally use all of Adam mm. and I'm going to put things in his life that'll shape him so that when he mm. does write his letter, he's writing what, He's writing what he wrote, the way he wrote it, and the way I wanted it yeah. to be said. And it's all going to work together seamlessly. That's just a, sure. a mind-boggling thing. And I think John's doing the same thing at the end of his gospel. And he says, hey, <clears> I have. <laughs> if, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did, we're going to fill up all the books that, that can mm -hmm. be filled up. I am writing to you very specifically yeah. in order to persuade you. And if you spend time studying through John's book, you see what he's doing. Sorry, not his book. His, his gospel account, you see all kinds of design patterns and themes and threads that have run all throughout the Old Testament that he's picking up on and mm -hmm. saying, hey, here's how I see the, have seen these, here's how I remember these, here's how I'm communicating these, yeah. which actually kind of, leads us to our, kind of leads us to our next point, is that the Bible is a literary work. Someone uh, who's a, a classic Bible nerd geek, uh, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, you'll hear us reference them a lot, sat down and measured out all the chapters in the Bible. 43% uh, of all the chapters in the Bible are narrative, 33% are poetry, and 24% are prose discourse. What that means is, and if we take those numbers and, and work them together, 76% 76, 76 of the scriptures are written in narrative or poetry. 
And we have to learn how to read and how to understand narrative and poetry. We understand those two things very differently from one another and even very differently from prose discourse. If you think about reading, um, even, even our writing and reading today, we, we send a text message and read text messages far differently than when you read uh, a C.S. Lewis novel or you've got commentary books on your desk. You don't go into a commentary book reading the same way that you're reading to learn something in in. Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's any less true. Yeah. There's a difference between literal and figurative language, yeah. but what C.S. Lewis is trying to teach us about Aslan and about God and about Jesus isn't any less true than what your commentators are trying to teach you through the book of Matthew either. Yeah. We understand them differently, but their level of truth isn't necessarily different. They're both true. They're just understanding truth on, on different planes. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's the, it's the, the, the process that they they've chosen to use to communicate truth. Correct. Right. In their context. Yeah. Yeah. A story can be can communicate the same level of truth. Absolutely. Even if it, it's made up people mm. in made up places in faraway planets. Yeah. It can communicate the same truth as a scientific textbook telling us something. Yeah. It's it's the it's just the process or the means through which they're communicating. Sure. It's not a judgment yeah. on whether it's true. Or not. I heard this example once, and it wasn't mine, but he said, what if I described my wife to you as a fireball? If you took that literal, then you would be extremely confused as to who that man had married yeah. and how he married a fireball. Yeah. But when you know his wife and understand the time that he spends with her and the time, the, the kind of person that she is, it, it, you know that he's, he's obviously speaking not figurative. I'm sorry, he is speaking figuratively, not literally, which communicates... Maybe even a deeper truth than just to say, hey, her name is such and such. She does this for a job. Here's something she likes to do for a hobby. Those are also true, but you're, you're talking about different levels and different, ex not levels, but different expressions of a true statement to say my wife is a fireball. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think when we learn to see that in Scripture, because we do want to say all of Scripture is true. Sure. But sometimes we'll read poetry differently. Then we'll read Kings, yeah. right? And and just knowing that yeah. that just because this is using poetic language mm. doesn't mean it's not true. Mm. Um, and and that's a, that's such a big it's a big get that when you get that and you can think through Scripture like that, you can really begin to say what's this, what is it really saying to me? Mm. The the words on the page become more than the words on the page, and that is really cool. So one thing we didn't do and we haven't put on our notes, and I don't know if we can do this uh, ad lib off the top of our heads or not, but can we think of a good example in scripture where a literary device or a figurative moment of speech is used to communicate a deeper truth uh, to just to give an example? Yeah. Um, uh, let me, let me look real quick. I, I'm thinking the first one that I, I'm going to is Psalm 91. Okay. Um, which I don't, which have I memorized. do believe was quoted by the accuser in the wilderness, and I think we're going to go over that sermon in Matthew this coming week. So, yeah, very so, good in context quote. Hey, well, you know, well, let's see if you get it's it right. What I do, that's what I do, right? Um, this is a good podcast, right? Yeah, here. yeah. So, in, in <laughs> verse chapter four, talking. Uh, well, let's go back to verse three. It says, "For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. Mm. Uh, he is a he, his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler." Right now, if in one sense, if we say, "Well, the words on the page are what the words on the page are," mm. then. Are we supposed to think that God has wings? Sure. Like, is the image of God as, a, as like a, a bird? 
if that's what he looks like? Well, no, obviously not. The 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 psalmist is trying to give us this image mm. of how a mother bird protects her young in the safety of her wings. Wish you guys could have seen the way he just acted that out also. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're not privileged to that. Um, yeah, maybe someday we'll have video. But yeah, I think that's really, really important for mm. us to keep in mind is that that's a really, that's a big, easy example. There are some sure. examples that are, are a little less and some of you get into the the cultural kind of things that they were doing in their day. But yeah, yeah we take that as literal truth. God is our refuge. He will protect us. But we don't sit around and think that God's a giant turkey, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. And that, that takes the point that you and I talk about often. Uh, and, and again, I don't know who introduced you to this or me to this. I know John Walton was one of the first people that I heard say it, is that the Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. He also talks about uh, cultural rivers and things that the biblical um, audiences would have understand that we have a tendency not to. We can do some research and some study and try our best to get back to understand some of that, um, but they had no concept when this was being written of social media. Yeah, and so we don't. We, we have to be careful not to interject. Yeah, they didn't. There's a lot of they have running water, right? Yeah. And that kind of really teases up for our next our next point, which is the the Bible is a historical work. Mm. Right. It, it, it's, it was written by real people in real times and real places using the real life thoughts and questions and comments and, and ideas and pictures that they had yeah. of their time. Sure. You know, that's why so much of the Bible talks in agricultural terms. Right. You know, for most of us in a modern society, we don't we wouldn't talk like that. Yeah. We might talk like that because there's some cultural memory there and we're we're still have some cultural Christianity yeah. in our nation and so that language is there. But you hear less and less and less of farming yeah. uh, applications yeah. made in sermons today exactly. than 10, 20, 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and you hear a lot more references to Instagram and Facebook yeah. and Twitter. Absolutely. Um, because that's where people are. And, and I think that it is important for us to keep Scripture connected to those original hearers and those original writers. Mm-hmm. Because go, kind of going back to the, the the statement, it's written, it's written for us, but it isn't written to us, and right. that's really important to remember. That doesn't mean that I don't read my Bible in the morning and take something away from it. Sure, but it reminds me that hey, sometimes when something doesn't make sense to me, or it seems weird, or it seems odd, it's probably because I'm separated by thousands of years, right? And it's describing something that was very relevant for their time, yeah, in their um, world. It's a it's a culturally relevant book. Yeah. Like, you know, like you might hear someone say, yeah, the Bible is culturally relevant for us today. That's true. Yeah. But it was also culturally relevant for people in that day Very as much well. So. Yeah. And so that to me is one of the big takeaways, one of the big importances. And, you know, uh, from a, from an academic side, from a scholarly side, just the development of that understanding from the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls mm, yes. and, and the, the Qumran society, right? right? That There's so much eye-opening to wait. So they were interpreting these passages like this in their day, and they were using these things. And here's another example. And the, the more understanding we have in, of comparative studies of looking at uh, the, the, the world around Israel, mm. Uh, the world around God's people and seeing how so much of what they were saying and doing yeah. was was not reactive, but responding to the world sure. they lived in because they were real people. Right. Just like when you and I write sermons, 
oftentimes we're responding to the world around us in in what we're trying to say. We want it to be relevant to what that moment is, as did the authors of the scriptures that we read. Yeah, yeah. And and because it is 100% human and 100% divine, it doesn't stop there. Mm. It can carry on through the centuries, and we can still find relevancy there, too. It also reminds us that people are people. <laughs> yes, we are. Whether yes, we, I am. Whether we have Instagram <laughs> or Twitter or we mm. don't have cars or whatever it is, people are people. And the, the, the basic needs and longings and desires of people have been the same. Yeah. For as long as there have been people. So are you saying there's nothing new under the sun? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Very way good. To, way to quote scripture there. <laughs> All right, let's hit a couple of takeaways. But before we do, uh, we, we would share and, and kind of have this in common uh, that we both, or, or at least I would, and I, I think you would share this with me, that we, we see scripture as a unified story. We use the word story a lot. Um, and, and it has a, it has a point, it has a, an intentionality and has a unified story that leads to Jesus. Now, if anybody knows the Bible project, they know we stole that from them. We give them full credit. Uh, but that is something that has resonated with me over the last few years is reading the scriptures as a story. And anywhere, anytime that I park and read, I can look at where it fits into the story, moving towards Jesus from, uh, from creation to the Israelite people, to Jesus himself being their rescuer, to, then to inviting the rest of the world back into a relationship with him, uh, and, and then into, into ultimate redemption. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really good point to remember, because uh, so, many t- so many times... For so many of us, we can sit down, right? It's we're, we're coming to the end of 2019. We're about to start 2020. Mm. I bet a good portion of people who say they're Christians are like, this is going to be the year I read through the Bible. Until Leviticus. Until they get to <laughs> Leviticus. Actually, say, the end of Exodus what is am I supposed to do with this? Right? Yeah. And there's, but it's what do I do with that? Why is that important for yeah. me to read that stuff? Like, yeah. I'm not going to go kill pigeons and, sure. and those kind of things. So, understanding that it's telling us the story of what God is doing in the world and it's all leading us somewhere. Correct. That's so, so important. It's, uh, I, it's Scott McKnight who has a quote, something like this. He says, um, uh, the, the, the new Testament are just the footnotes to the footnotes to the old Testament. Someone else said the new Testament is simply commentary on the old Testament. Yeah. And you can't make, this is not me. This is, this is Scott, <laughs> this is Scott McKnight, McKnight. So, yeah. so get, get mad at him. You can't yeah. have good theology just off of footnotes. There you go. And, and, and what he's getting at is that the Old Testament is really telling the fundamental story of what God's doing in the world. Yeah. And the New Testament is just saying, yeah, and he summed it up in Jesus. He yeah. completed it in Jesus. Or the Old Testament is the story that we need a Savior. The constant reminder that none of us are able to accomplish what God has called us to do. And, and for so much of my life, yeah. I didn't understand that. Yeah. I knew passages in the Old Testament. I could have gone and quoted a Psalms or a Proverbs and be like, well, this is good to listen to today. But I couldn't have told you how any of that fits with what Jesus, Jesus constantly quoting his scripture, yeah. the Hebrew Bible. I mean, yeah. it's happening regularly yeah. throughout the uh, gospel accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and even even past that, when we get into the uh, authors of the letters, of course, Paul is regularly using scripture, to, mm-hmm. the Hebrew scriptures, to teach legends. They didn't have the New Testament at the mm-hmm. time. And yeah. so they're constantly referring to that, using that. Stephen's story in Acts, he retells the whole story to the Jewish people around him using their scriptures that they would have been familiar with and not mm-hmm. surprised by. Their eyes wouldn't have been bugging out. Yeah. Now, 
he was doing some reappropriation as yeah. he went through that, but he was using the story that they were familiar with and say, look, mm-hmm. here's where you've missed Jesus and all of this. Yeah. And it was a place that I had missed Jesus and some of that until we, and I was just enlightened and, and encouraged by the fact when Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus, he shows his disciples, he says, open their eyes to how the scriptures, the Tanakh spoke about him. I was like, man, if that's it, if it's all in there, then then let's 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 get the story let's, ingrained yeah. in us. Yeah. And part of that too is get the story in us, but understand that we fit into that story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and it's important to find our place. Yeah. And and I think that's that goes back to the it's not one testament versus the other testament. Absolutely not. It's that both testaments are telling a story. So you're saying we don't need to unhitch? I'm saying we probably shouldn't unhitch. Okay. I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's it's that idea that the New Testament is saying, look, this person that we've been looking for, that God's been promising, it's Jesus. And this is what life looks like now. Yeah. And so you can you can get Jesus without the, the Old Testament. Absolutely. You can get what you should be doing without the Old Testament, but you're going to miss out on the fullness. Yeah, you can get of part of Jesus. You're not going to get yeah. all of him, though, because yeah. you, 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 you've got to know what he's been reading yeah. and how he understands his vocation, yeah. his Messiah. Ship. I don't yeah. know if that's a word or not. It is now. I used it. Um, how he's how he's seeing that play into the story of Israel and his fulfillment of what they should have been doing all along. Yep. We're called to do all along. So so we totally rabbit trailed from real takeaways there. And <laughs> all of this, the Bible is unified around Jesus, which is so incredible to look at that the scriptures are written uh, over uh, thousands of years, 20, 1,500 to 2,000 years somewhere is, is the span of, of the writing of scripture uh, by several 40 plus, 40, 50 authors. Um, there's quite a bit of evidence that there, there was even editing. Again, don't be freaked out by that. It's, it's a human book. I even believe the places that it was edited were 100% inspired and uh, spirit-driven of, of how to put this at the beginning of this and that. It, it was all scripture. They're just putting it where it needs to be. Um, all of that is unified around Jesus and tells one common story, which then proves to me, at least personally, yeah. that because of that, because of that unity, the Bible is trustworthy. Uh, and as I have trusted that story, and that's a that's a challenge sometimes. Yeah, I, I, that is work to put my trust in that. I have found it to be transformational. Yeah. And those are our takeaways: that the Bible is trustworthy, that it is transformational, and all of this it is unified around Jesus. Yeah. Uh, if if there is no Jesus, the Bible is rather relatively pointless. Yeah, good literature maybe, but, but has a stopping point. Yeah. There's a ceiling. It's it's not it, if 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 it if it isn't if it doesn't lead us to Jesus, it's not really any different than any other ancient text, text. Sure. talking about the cosmos yeah. and gods in the sky and things like that. Yeah. And back to that transformative thing, think of how this text has transformed people when there are other texts that have been around this long that simply haven't, not in mm-hmm. the same way. They just don't carry with it the power yeah. because yeah. they're not about the power. Yeah. God himself became man yeah. and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us in the form of Jesus. And this is the story about him. Yeah. And I think that that is, you know, I, I can't remember who said this, but I heard someone say that once that that's the, that's the, 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 the truth of scripture resonates throughout all of history. Mm. Mm to all human hearts. Mm. It's really just whether we're going to enter into that. Sure. Right. Whether we're going to believe that the Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus that we can put our trust in our faith in and he can transform us. It's that it's, um, it's that frequency that just penetrates through the clutter of life, the social media of life, the busyness of life. Yeah. And it was penetrating then too, just that clutter and busyness 
looked a little bit different yeah. than it does today. Yeah. It looked like I've got to go farm or I'll, yeah. I'll starve. So. Yeah. Or what if my ox is in the ditch? Or there's a guy who looks like he's dead on the side of the road and I don't want to touch him because that'll make me ritually unclean and that'll cost me all of the things that I'm taking home to my family. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, another rabbit trail it's okay. there. We'll, we'll get to that at some point, probably. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, we'll do an episode on the Good Samaritan at some point. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's about it for our first episode. Looks like it. So here's the deal. Um, we're going to do this on a regular basis. Sure. Hopefully it's helpful for you. If you like it, if you have questions, uh, reach out to us. Get yeah. in touch with us. We'd um, like to find a way for this to be interactive. We, don't, we, 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 we adopted this line from someone else that we want to be the first voice, not the last voice. The first word, rather, not the last word. We don't know everything. Phil knows a lot, but not everything. Uh, but we, we do want to be the beginning of a conversation, not the end of it. So if you if you have a, a way to get in touch with us, maybe you have that yeah, for information yeah. we'll, for them. We'll add that in there. Good. We'd love to, love to have that as conversation. Yeah. So thanks uh, so much for listening to us. And hopefully you found this helpful and it fit within your drive time. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be longer than drive time. If not, theology. take a couple trips around the block before you park <laughs> at home. Sit in the car just a little bit. <laughs> All right. Come uh, out to my house. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will catch you on the flip side. Hey, guys. Phil here again. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We hope that it was helpful, that it spurred your holy imagination. We really do want to hear from you. So we have set up an Instagram account called Drive Time Theology. If you'd like to reach out or touch base with us or have questions or even post topics for us to discuss, please find us on Instagram at Drive Time Theology. Again, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate your time. <laughs>